Can y'all say captivated? And in this series is about letting Jesus capture and keep our attention. Capture and keep. Can y'all say keep our attention? Now that last part is where it gets a little challenging. Because if you're anything like me, my attention sometimes can like be kidnapped from Jesus. Anybody ever been there? And then in this series, we're kind of talking about different thought processes or patterns that their, their purpose or their impact is in doing just that. Kidnapping our attention from Jesus and getting us all wrapped up and caught up in something other than his best for us. And so let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. This is kind of our launch pad scripture for the series. So it says this, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How many of y'all ever have some speculations that don't look like God's heart for yourself or people? You ever speculate about some stuff? You ever imagine some stuff that you just know is not God? Well, here's the good news. There's an answer. There's a solution. We don't just try to say, no, this thought isn't, oh, I don't even like this thought. It's, it's not here. It's not real. And you try to dismiss it or whatever. This says we take all of that captive. Can you say captive? To the obedience of Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside. Can you all say lay aside? every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God so we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus and so again, we've been talking about things that kind of kidnap our attention from Jesus. Y'all ever have your attention kidnapped from Jesus before? Me too. And, and when I was praying about what to teach this week, the thing that came up was the thing that I see often kidnapping our attention from Jesus is godless considerations of self. I'm going to say that again. Godless considerations of self. You could also phrase this as selfishness. You could also phrase this as the flesh. Anybody ever heard that term before? The flesh? Um, it's in scripture. I remember the first time I came to church. This was actually the first church I came to, like voluntarily. Um, it's a long, long time ago. And I walked up in here. And I was so weirded out by you people. I was like, what is with y'all? First of all, don't hug me. Get off me. What are you doing? Back up, you know? And then secondarily, the language you people use. Now, I recognize I'm one of these people now, so I'm talking to me too, you know? But like people would talk about like the blood of Jesus. And I was like, what in the world? Like y'all are talking about like drinking blood and eating body and all this weird stuff. And then, and then another term we just throw around is flesh. It's kind of a weird one. Oh, well, my flesh was just, you know, trying to get me to, and I'm like, what are you even talking about, flesh? Because my understanding of flesh was flesh, right? Like skin, right? The Bible talks about flesh, and really, I think a good word that we could use to understand flesh well would be selfishness. I think it's a really good word. As a matter of fact, um, the message translation, which is a paraphrase of scripture, does just that. It replaces the word flesh with self pretty regularly. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. 
This is so good. It says, The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. How many of y'all would like a deep healing? Yeah, like a deep healing. I ain't into band-aids. They just cover stuff up, man. I want a deep healing. And now what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Ouchie, wawa. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased with being ignored. Woo! We could just say amen and go home. You know what I mean? Here's the deal, though. Don't read this in terms of just like, sometimes we dumb things down to just a matter of right and wrong. And, and don't get me wrong, like morality, yeah, that's a thing, right? There's a difference between right and there's wrong, right? But if it just stops there, like I just want to do the, I just want to be right and I don't want to be wrong. And, and we see God in terms of just like morality. That's very surface level. You see, God cares about us doing what's right because what's, what is right is what is healthy. What is right is what is helpful. Amen? Listen, church, when we see sin, and we even see, let's say, let's say we see people that don't know Jesus acting all sorts of wild, right? They're acting godless. If we judge it just on right or wrong, we almost dismiss them. But if we look at sin as something that is painful, then what do we want to do? We want to help. Instead of us going, oh, that's wrong. We go, oh, they're hurting. There's a big difference, isn't there? It's a massive difference. So I just want to encourage you, when we read through this stuff, don't just think about it like, well, I'm just doing this because it's just a scriptural fact and I need to do this to be a good boy or a good girl. Like, listen, this is what healthy relationship with your creator looks like. This is what it looks like to be in that open, free, spacious life. How many of y'all would like that life? I like that life. Because consideration of self, at least when I do it, when I get all wrapped up in myself, you know what I do? I shrivel up. Anybody else, or is that just me? I tend to beat myself up. I tend to condemn myself. I tend to get ashamed. There's something so much better, so much better. And it's funny because sometimes we think that, that the way out, the way out of the flesh, the way out of sin, the way out of doing these things is by focusing on the thing. How many of y'all have ever tried to quit smoking like that before? Did it work? Didn't work for me, man. That was the thing. That was like one of the things that kind of stuck after I gave my life to Jesus, and I was so annoyed by it, you know? Because I gave my life to Jesus, I was like, you can have it all, Lord. And then for whatever reason, I was like, all of it except for this, you know? And, and I, it was just this wild thing, because I remember I used to do these drugs that would just make me, like, want to smoke even more. So I would do, like, I would smoke, like, two packs a day. Incredibly unhealthy. Sucking down all them death sticks. It ain't good for you, right? So I remember uh, the first time 
that I really tried to kick the habit was for a girl. And her name is Kara Keller. And she's amazing. She is now my wife, and she's incredible. But she gave me an ultimatum. She said, listen here, honey. If you and me are going to be a thing, then you're going to quit smoking. And I was like, okay. <laughs> now listen, props to Kara, right? Like, I'm glad that she's like, Stephen, I, I don't want you to die. I don't want you smoking this stuff that's not good for you, right? So props to her. But me quitting smoking for Kara is not the reason to quit smoking, okay? And what it did is it set me up, and I, I received the invitation, so I'm not blaming Kara for my failed attempts at quitting smoking, just for the record. But what I did is then I approached this thing, I approached this fleshy thing, and I tried to kick it in my own efforts. Guess what? I kept smoking! Just kept on sucking them down. And I, I was, it was weird because it just put me in this place where I didn't want to do this thing. I didn't want to do the thing. But I kind of wanted to do the thing. And then I ended up doing the thing. And I'd be like, why did I do this thing? I'm the worst. And you know, I did, I'm going to try harder. No, this time's different. I'm really going to kick it this time. Redoubling down on my own efforts, just like we just read. Guess what? So long as it was just me trying to do this thing, whether it would be for my sake or Kara's sake or whatever, if I'm trying to do something in my own strength, instead of fully submitting it to God, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. And it didn't work until I finally gave up. Y'all ever get there before? You've tried it on your own over and over and over and you can't do it. And so then eventually you give up. Now you have a decision in that moment. You can either give up and just cave into the godlessness, or you can give it up to Jesus. Amen? And in so doing, then you're putting it in God's hands. And how many of know he's a lot better at taking care of business than we are? There's actual power for God to move into godlessness. Because I was trying to fix godlessness without God, which is impossible. He is the solution. So basically what I'm saying is don't fall into the tendency of magnifying the flesh. Don't fall into making the thing you're struggling with the biggest thing. Put your eyes on Jesus. Let the Spirit of God direct you and show you the way to go. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Y'all ready? But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. This does not say fixate on the flesh, and you'll be, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. This says walk by the spirit. Where are your eyes? Where does Jesus point, or where does the Holy Spirit point your eyes? To Jesus, right? Does Holy Spirit cause you to fixate on your shortcomings? No, he doesn't. Does he ignore shortcoming? No, but what does he do? He shows us God's overcoming power. He's not afraid to recognize the lack of God, but he points us to God. Rather than what we do, which is tend to focus on the problem and, and make a big thing out of that and let the enemy condemn us, we condemn ourselves, and we fall into this endless cycle of shame and defeat. Church, there's something better. Can you say there's something better? Listen, I don't know if you're picking this up, but I'm laying out hope. 
hope. This is good news. Good news. There's something better than our floppy attempts at figuring it out. You don't have to have it all figured out. But we do need to live in a way that we let Jesus have first place and let the Spirit of God grow us. Amen? Amen. In every moment. So what is flesh? I guess I never really kind of brought definition to that, you know? Um, I wrote down a couple things. I'll read them for you. Flesh is the godless tendencies and considerations of self. The godless tendencies and considerations of self. I like that the way the message put it, it's ignoring God. How many of y'all have received Jesus as Lord? Yeah, you know the Spirit of God is living in you? Well, then let's live with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Selfishness makes no sense. You're not by yourself. You have God in you. You received him. Your creator, your designer, who knows you better than, than you could possibly know yourself. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's helpful. And he wants to lead you step by step with power, with an accompaniment of love and power. Rather than what we do, beating ourselves up, trying to figure it out, and just shriveling up into ourselves. There's something better. Flesh is the unending vacuum of a godless pursuit of satisfaction. I'm going to read that again. Flesh is the unending vacuum of a godless pursuit of satisfaction. Y'all ever try to be satisfied by something other than him? Yeah, it's just like this unending vacuum. It's just like, oh, that's the noise a vacuum makes, just in case you're wondering. Oh, and you're never satisfied. It's never enough. It never measures up, and you're always hungry. But you keep on stuffing nonsense down the, down the hole, and it ain't helping. God actually wants to satisfy our needs. He actually wants to grow us in a life with him and what that looks like. It's that wide-open, spacious, free life. Again, I like the way the message puts Galatians 5.16. My counsel is this, live freely. Can y'all say freely? freely? Animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. I just think that's so good. Animated, motivated. Who brings you life? Who motivates your actions? If it's him, then we get to live freely. If it's anything else, we end up boxed in. We end up living in a smaller way than he calls us into. There's something better. I could just keep saying that, this whole message. There's something better. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 5. We'll start with 1 through 3. It says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Y'all ready? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What are you magnifying? Good answer. Do we live it? Listen, a magnifying glass doesn't actually change the size of anything, right? Like, I'm not literally making something bigger when I magnify it. I'm just changing my perspective and perception of it, right? You're not making God any bigger technically by magnifying him. But what you are doing is you are reminding yourself, you're letting the Holy Spirit show you, wait a minute, all this other stuff that I've been making so big, I've got the magnifying glass on the problem, I've got the magnifying glass on this, this thing that I've been dealing with, or this tendency that I have. When you magnify that thing, you make it bigger in your mind, and it develops as a stronghold. Here's the good news. 
even if something has become a stronghold, Jesus can break it. He can break that hold, and he can hold you. And I'd so much rather be in his arms than in the grip of my godless thought processes. Ouchie wawa. They aren't fun. They aren't healthy. They're painful. And listen, I can, I, can, I can hear where this is going in some people's minds. They're like, gosh, now I just feel so ashamed about feeling ashamed. This is a trap, right? Hello, like, please do not let this message do that. That is letting the enemy pervert this whole thing, and he's causing us to do the very thing I'm talking about not doing. Don't feel bad about feeling bad. Recognize the bad and let the good overcome it. Let's not focus and magnify sin, death, guilt, shame, curse, pain, any of that. Let's remember, let's magnify the Lord together and exalt his name. How many of you know the name of Jesus is greater than every other name ever? What does that mean? That means that his power is greater than any other power. His love is greater than anything else. Nothing can, so long as you'll let him, he can break anything, anything, even the things you've been trying to break your whole life. Don't identify with the sin. Don't make something a part of you. The minute you make something a part of you, it's a lot harder to kick it. Oh, this is just, you know, I'm a smoker. No, you're not. You just smoke cigarettes, silly. You know what I'm saying? And we're not talking about changing your identity all the time. We're just talking about this is a thing that I do. Ain't that big of a hold on me then? Shift the magnifying glass. Some people are like, oh my gosh, I smoke. Is Pastor Stephen out to get me today? No, I'm telling you though, there's something better. Surprise. Get that one again. There's something better. And take it and make it whatever. Because y'all know what I'm saying. Like we all deal with different stuff. But I just want to encourage you. There's actually freedom so long as you stop magnifying the thing that's holding you in bondage. Magnify the one who's broken every chain and set us free. And we'll live in that. Amen? So a lot of us attribute the work of Satan to our God. Ha! That was just a, out of nowhere. But how many of y'all have ever heard someone talk about the Holy Spirit convicting them? And when they're doing it, they're like, oh, and God is just making me feel so terrible, and he's ashamed of me, and I'm the worst. And that's not our, that's not our God. It's not the Holy Spirit. Now listen, Holy Spirit is not afraid of saying, hey, 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 hey here's, here's a thing we can grow out of, right? Like, it's not like we have to pretend sin does not exist. Said, though, set aside all the stuff that so easily entangles us, right? And then what? Fix our eyes on Jesus. How many of y'all know this sounds like a magnifying glass? Yeah? Stop focusing on all the stuff. Magnify God. Amen? Magnify God. God. And there's a vast difference between what the enemy does in regards to our shortcomings and what the Holy Spirit does. Satan wants to beat you up. Satan says, you failure. Why are you even trying? You're terrible. You're insufficient. Who do you think you are? Any of y'all ever have thoughts like that? That's, that's the enemy. He's called in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the accuser of the brethren. He comes to us with accusations of shortcomings, and he wants us to identify with them, beat ourselves up, be ashamed, and slide into hopelessness. God doesn't want us to sit down in the muck. Holy Spirit is like, hey, Come here, there's something better. Come here, let's go. 
Come on, come on, there's hope. Come on, let me encourage you. Let me give you some courage to rise up. Let me show you who you actually are, that you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit shows us who God is, who we are, and the power to enter into those things. Satan wants to shut you down, cause you to sit down in the stuff and not grow forward. And it's a trap. And there's something so much better. Amen? Dana said this this week, Pastor Dana, um, in a prayer meeting. I did my best to, like, recall the specific words you used, Dana. Says, the accuser would like to plant a thought, make you think it's your own, and then condemn you for ownership. Sounds about right, right? It's like you have a bad thought come your way, and it convinces you, yeah, that's your thought. And then you're like, I'm so terrible because I'm thinking this thought. I'm the worst. It's all a trap. It's all a trap. Snip that thing in the butt right away. Nip that. You know what? I, I don't know which one is right. Maybe you guys can tell me. Is it nip it in the bud or nip it in the butt? I don't know what that means. What's a bud? Is it like a flower thing? Barney Fife? What, Scott? Pruning. Nip it in the bud. Okay. My, I grew up thinking it was nip it in the butt. I was like, <laughs> sounds painful. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what that means, but we should do that too. Dog nip it in the butt. Yeah, right. <laughs> Goodness. But let's not even go down that road, right? Like, just because a thought flies into your head doesn't mean it's yours. Okay, so like, one, recognize we have all sorts of thoughts. Any of y'all have a lot of voices going on up in here? Yeah? They're not all yours. You have a choice of what you're going to grab onto. And I want to grab onto God thoughts. And, and let's invite him to give us those thoughts. And let's be intentional about hearing those thoughts, receiving them, and walking them out. Because that's where growth in the Spirit comes from. And again, walking by the Spirit, we won't carry out the desires of the flesh. There's such freedom there. And then it goes on in Galatians 5 to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I encourage you, go look, open up your Bible, read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23 lays out the fruit of the Spirit. It's incredible. If you read before that, it lays out what are referenced as the deeds of the flesh. And they look all sorts of painful. It ain't fun. But it's so beautiful how it says, here's the godless way, here's the trap, here's the godly way. That if we're willing to recognize the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives, and again, I love the way that the message translation said that earlier, simply embrace what the Spirit of God is doing in us. Don't complicate this. Don't turn it into 25 steps of a spiritual life. You know what I mean? You don't need to graduate some, some fancy theological revelation school or read 15 books to do this. Right now, we can see God change it all. Right now, if you will let him. I wanted to spend a little bit of time while we're together talking about shame. Um, shame's a painful beast, ain't it? Y'all ever feel ashamed about something? It's weird. We can, we can feel ashamed about things we did. We can feel ashamed about things that were done to us even. Sometimes we can um, lay claim to the shame of guilt of things we didn't even do. It's wild. Shame, shame kidnaps us from the joy of God. And, and, and listen, shame, shame is kind of a buzzword right now. Y'all hear about like shaming and stuff like that. I'm glad that things are being talked about more in the open, right? Like that's cool, I'm, I'm with that. Um, but what I don't, again, hear me, do not let the enemy make you feel ashamed for feeling shame, okay? 
But I am here today to confidently tell you there's a way out of this trap that you're in. That's what it is. It's a trap. And if we recognize it as such, instead of pandering to it, and I'm not saying we dismiss the reality of one another's experience, but I'm saying let's change the experience. Let's let God alter the experience to be one that's just full of his love. There's hope for you. Whatever you're feeling ashamed about, there's freedom from it. And that shame is not from God. Holy Spirit is not shaming you. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all of my fears. It says this, listen to this. They looked to him and were radiant. Woo! Radiant. And their faces will never be ashamed. Isn't that powerful? What, is, what does shame look like? Y'all, if, if the visage of shame was to be acted out, I think it would look something like this. Not making eye contact with anybody. Looking down, absorbed in self. You know what's interesting? The word that's uh, used for shame in Scripture actually means to turn, what's the actual, let me, let me. Yeah, to turn inward on oneself. Whew. Isn't that interesting? To turn inward on oneself. But this says that if we will look to him, we will radiate. And our faces won't ever be ashamed. That's such good news. Y'all ever heard someone say shame on you? I would encourage you, please, church, do not let those words proceed from your mouth. It is literally cursing someone. Think about, think about the structure of that sentence. You are saying shame. Here is something that is not from God. On you. Think about what that's doing. That's putting shame on someone. And rather than in a moment of guilt, being encouraged in the way, the truth, the life, like Holy Spirit does, so we can grow out of it, grow from it even, into God's heart for us, we shut down and we stay put. What are we extending to people? Are we extending shame? Or are we encouraging one another? Because we've been called to encourage one another. I don't know if y'all know that, church. We've been called to encourage one another. That's good. So I don't want us to fall trap to the enemy beating us up and us calling it conviction of the Spirit of God. It's not. Two different things. Holy Spirit will absolutely recognize room for growth, but he'll show us the way out. He'll grow us forward. He'll set us free. Instead of, how could you? You're the worst. Shut down. Stay there. Why are you even trying? Blah. That's devil speech. Let's recognize it as such and refuse to receive it. Amen? Now we'll look at Psalm 34:22, Kyle. It says this, The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will suffer for their guilt. How many of y'all are guilty of something? <laughs> Come on, if there ain't a hand up, I don't know who you are. You got it all figured out, you know? Good for you. What I love here is that it says those who take refuge in him will not suffer for their guilt. How is that different than what the enemy would do? Well, so here, if we take our refuge in God, let's say we do something, we, miss, we drop the ball, we yield to the flesh, we do something silly, right? What I want to do is I want to go, oops, dad? Dad, where's, can you help me out of this? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. Can you help me out of this? 
How many remember? God is our Father. Okay, Johnny remembers. God is our Father, you guys. You guys remember that? Yeah, we call him Father God, right? Yeah. Um, but oftentimes we treat God like something else. And instead of saying, God, I, I need your help. In our guilt, instead of growing out and letting God make good out of bad even, we just get condemned and ashamed and we sit down in the guilt. You see, there's two ways to go in a moment of guilt. You can either repent, right? What does that mean? Feel super sorry about it forever. You're the worst. Repent, sinner. No. Repent means change direction. That's literally what it means. It means if you've been going in a direction, change direction. Walking by the flesh, walk by the Spirit. And what? We will not satisfy or carry out the desires of their flesh. Second Corinthians 7, verse 10. This is such a powerful portion of Scripture. All right, let's read. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces what? Death. How many of y'all have ever felt bad about dropping the ball? Yeah? Okay. Um, that's inevitable. Okay? There's like a, oh man, I didn't, I let daddy down. Right? Like, that's kind of the feeling there. And I love this. It says, but the sorrow that is according to the will of God, it produces a repentance. Right? So we shift. We go, okay, yeah. I need to change direction and let God lead me here. This next part is so powerful. Without regret. What would a life without regret look like? It's yours. You can actually live in this. I hate the thought of people just berating themselves. And listen, I, I've done this. I know I can be my own worst enemy sometimes. There's something so much better. You don't have to... You can change lanes without regret, and this leads us to salvation. Isn't that good? There's a way out. You can be rescued. You can be saved from this thing. The way without God, the way flesh acts in this, it gets stuck in regret. It replays the offense over and over and over, and it doesn't let God in. It doesn't let God in. It doesn't, it doesn't change direction. It just goes further down that snowball, and it's painful. There's a better way. So in those moments, let God lead you into salvation. Don't bite the bait of condemnation and shame. Don't let yourself slip into that. And, and even if you have, recognize that as a moment to do this very thing. There's a way out. There's something better. Shame is a perversion of godly sorrow. That's what it is. That's what it is. There's such thing as Okay, I feel bad because I didn't do the thing that I know God wanted me to. So God, let's do the thing you want me to. I can learn from that thing. You can flip that thing on its head for good. How many of y'all have ever messed up before and then later on met someone who messed up like you messed up and you've been able to deliver them some hope because you've screwed up just like they're screwing up? Anybody? How many of y'all think that's powerful? How many of y'all think that testimony leads to salvation? 
So it goes even beyond your individual experience and it extends hope to the world rather than collapsing on ourselves. Stop. Holy Spirit can tune us up, but stop trying to fine-tune yourself and getting lost in yourself. There's something greater. I believe God wants to work through us to the world, giving them hope, showing them who he is. But if we're not knowing who he is personally and we're not letting him in, sh shaping us, transforming us, setting us free, then we've, what are we going to extend? Come on, church, let's grow, let's move. Don't sit down, don't cave in. And shift your attention from godless considerations of yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what to do in this moment. Carrying guilt and letting it slide into shame. Again, don't let this condemn you. I'm just telling you a fact. It's undermining the cross. It's what it's doing. Didn't he take upon himself all sin, curse, shame, pain, all that once and for all time? Like that's, that's basic gospel truth, right? You see, Jesus didn't just forgive your sins, he gave you life. And, and sometimes we just like stop at the forgiveness of sin part. And, and there's, you know, people talk about taking grace for granted all the time. What's interesting is I haven't met very many people that actually do that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, you can say, I've met that person. Okay, cool. I'm just saying experientially, I hear more people talking about people doing it than I've actually seen people do it. But here's something powerful is it's like, I think if there was a mistake to be made, it would be just that, is that you would just stop at forgiveness without recognizing that you've been equipped to grow out of something. You've been equipped with life and freedom and joy in his spirit. Here today. Isn't that good? So maybe it's an issue with the way we've been extending the gospel. Like, hey, wait a minute. Holy Spirit wants in your life today, now, and there's freedom. Hey, oh, whoa. come on. It ain't just someday stuff. This ain't just you're forgiven here, but you're going to be ashamed until you get to heaven. That ain't how it works. Their faces will be radiant. Radiant's like, he. It ain't, it ain't phony, though, you know what I mean? Don't go creeping people out. Don't do the book cover. You know what I mean? You guys ever see a book cover that you're just like, whoa. Take it, take it back a couple notches. I used, to, I used to be in a band. We used to have to take promos all the time, like promo photos. It's the weirdest thing. Because you're like, you're supposed to look a certain way in these photos, right? And I was just so over all of it. I'm just like, I don't. I was, I was too cool to try to be cool. Figure that one out. You know what I mean? Thought I was too cool to try to act cool. Anyways. So don't try to fix flesh with more flesh. You'll never get around to living in the spirit. You just won't, you know? And God's got something so much better than band-aids, than shame, than condemnation, than, than <laughs> ah, the enemy takes a moment of guilt, and rather than it being like a momentary shortcoming, pours gasoline on it, sets the whole house on fire. Let it be one thing. That's okay. And you can go, ouchie-wawa, this is not awesome. But God, instead of going, yeah, you're the worst, don't. Don't receive that voice. However subtle it is, because I'm loud and I'm intense and I'm abrasive. He can be kind of sneaky which is why I need to make a clear distinction between the difference of the Holy Spirit who encourages, is, encourages us in the way, the truth, the life, and the accuser of the brethren who gets us lost, who dials us into the lie and leads us into death. It's like the opposite of the way, the truth, and the life, right? Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, the life. 
The enemy wants to fix your eyes on everything other than that. About yourself, about the world, about God. Don't buy it. So lastly, um, so again, I, I think that sometimes, I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but human beings can be imbalanced. You know, um, we can kind of go from like one ditch to the other ditch. And, and sometimes we see things being abused or misused or maybe done differently than we see power in them and we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Y'all ever done that with anything before? Um, when I grew up, I don't know that I fully understood what Catholics believe in regards to confession, you know? Um, and I remember I just had this really weird idea of what was going on there. You know, like, oh, there's this closet. I'm just supposed to, like, go through this laundry list of stuff that I did, and then I'm going to go pray prayers of penance to make up for it. You know, like, it was just, it was a weird concept to me, you know? Um, and so I was like, yuck. I don't need to confess my sins to anybody. God hears me. How many of you know God hears you? Yeah? How many of you have ever had God set you free from something without even having to utter it to anyone else? Yeah? That's very possible. How many of you know the Bible says that we're supposed to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we might be healed? Y'all know that's in there? When's the last time you did that? Love you. Hi. What are you hiding? What's the point? What's the point? You're not supposed Listen, you don't have it all figured out. That's okay. But if we hide what we don't have figured out, we don't let God move into it, then we're never going to figure anything out. Right? Pretty basic. Don't let pride and your image of being a good Christian or whatever prevent you from humbly letting God move in your life. You know, humility is a God trait. Hello? Humility is a God trait. We're called to be humble. Can y'all say humble? humble. I know, humility recognizes that sometimes we are wrong. Anybody ever been wrong in here? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, me too. Hey, right now, this is a very good message for everyone in the whole world to hear. You're wrong about something. Silly. You're cute. You're wrong about something, you know? And we all need to recognize that because everybody right now is acting like they know everything about everything. And I'm over it. I'm over it, man. Like, <laughs> that's why y'all keep seeing, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm getting simple with it. Fix my eyes on Jesus. I don't even know anything else other than knowing him. And he will lead us in everything. Doesn't mean we go, nope, I'm not looking at anything because Jesus, it means I can look at anything through his eyes and overcome. Woo! Okay. James 5.16, let's read it just so you don't think I'm making stuff up. Y'all ready? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This is not just get it out therapy. Do you hear me? Now, first of all, if you're confessing sin, one, props for being real and getting it out. But you can't just stop there. Okay? This says that the praying for one another is what causes healing. Right? So we're not just bringing stuff out to go, I just want to feel vulnerable and intimate, but I don't really want to do anything about this. Vulnerability, key. Humility, key. God, open door to freedom. Right? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, don't just have a flesh session. Don't just come out that I did this and 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 the other person goes, yep, thanks for sharing. 
You can say, yup, thank you for sharing. Now let's pray about this. Let's bring God into this and actually expect change. Amen? And let's be real with each other on all sides of it. So that even if we've prayed together and we see something, like we, we see the temptation come back up or we drop the ball again, like don't be afraid to go to that person and be like, hey, yeah, yeah, we need to see God move in this. Like, like I, I'm, I'm still falling slave to it and I don't want to. Don't be ashamed to come back. Because sometimes we think that just because we prayed about it one time, we're like afraid of bringing it up again. That just leads us into the darkness again, pretending. I don't want to live there. This is important. Don't go dumpster diving, but if there's trash in the living room, take it out. Okay? Sometimes when you bring up confession of sin, people are like, okay, I'm going to sit down at the end of the day, and I'm going to search myself and analyze all of my shortcomings. Have fun with that. Good night. There's a giant difference between that and how the Holy Spirit reveals things he wants us to grow through and grow out of. And if something is obvious, and, in, and you can ask God. David said this. He said, search me, God, and know my ways, and show me if there's any hurtful way in me. That's powerful. But a lot of people are searching themselves and then presenting that to God. I would encourage you, why leave God out of any part of anything? If you're, gonna, if, if you're talking sin or shortcoming, like, I only want God to show me that ever because then he can cause me to overcome. Amen? So don't go dumpster diving is what I'm saying. But like, you know, if trash is in the living room, you're just like sitting there, smelling it, experiencing it. Why hide it? Why cover it up? Be like, hey, why is this old garlic sauce in here? This smells terrible. Y'all ever, ever smell rotten garlic sauce? Woo! Consider yourself blessed. It's the worst, man. So the body of Christ is called to get it out and take it captive to Christ together. The body of Christ is the body of Christ. I think we're infatuated with individualism over here, and we forget sometimes that we've been called to minister to one another on Christ's behalf, working with him. So I just have some basic things. We're going to wrap up with this, but um, I just don't want people to be set up to be like hurt. And I would encourage you that if you're going to confess your sin to somebody and, and pray with them for healing, um, I would encourage you don't do that flippantly and don't do that with just anybody. Did you hear me? Um, you need to make sure that this is someone you trust. I would encourage you establish some ground rules with this person. If, if you're going to have this kind of relationship, then talk with that person and be like, hey, can we have this kind of relationship? Because if you put your trust and your confidence in just anybody, that, there's a lot of power there. And they could hurt you. And I don't want that for you. So I would encourage you, first of all, make sure that it's someone that you trust and that you trust that they hear God. Amen? Amen. Trust that they, that, they, that they know some scripture or that they'll search scripture with you. Don't, don't do this stuff with the godless. Who's the godless going to pray to? Hello? Right? Like, let's pray now. Universe of destiny. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? I appreciate thoughtfulness, but I want more than just thoughts. I want the prayer. I want more than the good vibes. I want the prayer. <laughs> okay, I won't meddle. Um, so then on the receiving end of things, when someone confesses sin to you, first of all, please keep it confidential. Do not be a gossip. Do not spread it around and have someone else pray about it without explicit permission to do so. If someone is trusting you in this way, be trustworthy. Do you hear me? Scripture is clearly opposed to gossips and gossiping 
And that is what we are doing, no matter how we holyify it, with our Christian knees. If someone's trusting you and they're coming forward and they're bringing sin, they want to be healed from it and pray together, keep it there, okay? Unless they invite you to bring it to like someone else to pray and whatever, that's beautiful. But don't spread stuff around. Second, listen. And I actually mean listen. If someone's bringing something to you and they're talking, don't just like be phrasing your response as they're talking. Listen. Okay? Deal? Appreciate their desire for God to move. I would say thank them for being real. Secondarily, do not undermine their desire for change by over-pampering or justifying their actions. This is like a coping thing we do. Sometimes someone comes and they're like, so I did this thing. I feel terrible about it. I want God to move here and I want to grow out of it. And then because we feel uncomfortable, we're like, oh, that's not all that bad. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We don't need to whatever. It's like, yo, listen, I came here for prayer. I'm not here for you to be like, you know, and like hear people again, hear people and empathize. I'm not saying you're just like, you know, I'm just saying like, let's not, if they're coming forward, wanting to heal and grow out of it, then let's approach it like that. Amen? We don't beat people up, but we're also not going to deny God the opportunity to grow us out of something. I think that's probably the best way to articulate it. Um, give them hope for the future. Scriptural presentation can be powerful in these moments. How many of those scripture says a lot about everyday life? Yeah? I would encourage you, share that stuff with people. Give them hope. Give them scriptural hope. And then if helpful, can you say if helpful? You can share a testimony. If helpful. Sometimes, again, human beings are funny. We can want to make everything about us. And so we hear someone share something and we go, that sounds just like this thing I experienced. Let me kidnap this moment and make everything about me. Now listen, if you are actually just trying to extend hope, then what I would say is, hey, can I share a story with you about like how I saw God come through? I know our situations are different, but like I believe God wants to move and has moved. Can I tell you about how he's moved in my life? That can be super helpful. But please make sure not to, again, kidnap the moment and just make everything about you. Because we can do that. Anybody ever have someone do that before? You're like, yeah, I'm dealing with this thing just like this thing I had. You're like, you're not even listening anymore. You're just reducing me to you. You know? Right? Reducing is probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Pray. It says, pray that you might be healed. Remember to pray. Please actually do that. And let them know that they can be honest with you moving forward. Let's wrap up Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. How many of you know we don't just confess sin, we confess hope? Yeah? And any confession of sin is accompanied with sin has been taken care of on the cross. Jesus is greater, there is hope. It says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How many, that sounds different than shaming somebody, doesn't it? Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, y'all ready? But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. God wants to encourage you. We are called to encourage one another. Let's not get lost in godless con contemplation of ourselves. Let's present all of ourselves to him and trust that he can shape us and grow us out of anything. Amen? Flesh in the dust. Here's some questions to consider this week. Number one, have you let guilt about something specific devolve into shame? What truth does Holy Spirit want to grow you into instead of staying stuck? Number two, 
Who is someone you could trust to confess sin to and receive prayer from for healing? Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.